Hey, this is Todd and Julie Mullen, senior pastors here at Christ Fellowship Church in South Florida. Whether you're across the street or across the world, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy week to join for this message. We hope that it encourages you and inspires you to get more out of life. Oh my goodness. Well, welcome everyone joining us, all of our campuses, everyone joining us online and on social media and all your various forums. We're just so excited to have you with us today. I'll tell you what, parents, you need to get your children involved. And we've got programs for the kids all summer long that you can be engaged. Even when you're traveling, you can still be engaged because we've got everything online for you to be engaged and stay engaged with your children, okay? And for our student ministries as well, and for our emerging generation, our next as well. So it's just exciting what we're able to do as a church family. Also at this uh, service today, I wanna welcome uh, one of our newest campuses that's just getting ready to come online called our Trinity Campus right here in Palm Beach Gardens. Would you give a warm welcome? to all of those from our Trinity campus joining us today as well. Well, in just a few days, we're gonna celebrate July 4th, which is the mark point when we declared our independence. That declaration came from a belief deep in the hearts of our founding fathers that there was a God-given right that we should govern ourselves under the rule and authority of God, not man. That was their, that was their principle. You know, it's amazing day how there is a lot of effort out there trying to discredit our founding fathers, trying to point out their faults and weaknesses. And by the way, they were imperfect men who had a perfect dream, a God birth dream. And it took a while for all of what God wanted, obviously, in that dream to become reality in our nation. But praise God, there was a starting point that started with a perfect dream of one nation under God. So there were 56 men, our founding fathers, that when they signed that document, we know as a Declaration of Independence in Independence Hall in Philadelphia, When they did that, they signed their own death warrants. They put their lives and their fortune on the line. But they were fueled with a passion and a dream that God could help them truly birth a nation. And you see it in the words penned by Thomas Jefferson. We hold these truths, these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. They're endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights and that among these are the uh, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. They claimed their rights under a truth that had been revealed to them through the Holy Scriptures. That God wanted to be the one who ruled over his people. There were shouts in the streets in the early days, no king but King Jesus because they knew that was what they wanted. They no longer were content to be under the rule of man, they wanted to be under the rule of God. I love the passion of uh, Patrick Henry. You remember he's one of our patriots that declared this, I know not what others may choose, but as for me, (laughs) give me liberty or give me death. Wow. The first Revolutionary War shot, the shot that was heard around the world was actually fired almost a year before we signed our Declaration of Independence in 1776. It was actually in 1775, in April of 19th on Lexington Green, 
when 700 British soldiers marched onto that green and Reverend Jonas Clark and the men of his church formed a militia to resist the British troops. And when the shot was fired and one of Jonas Clark's men of the church was hit by that shot and fell to the ground, the official war actually broke out. The men scattered, got in the woods and actually fought the 700 British troops and the war now had begun. But it was always fueled. What, what, what brought Jonas Clark and his men of his church to stand and try to resist the most formidable power in the world? It was a dream that God had a destiny for us that was beyond the rule of the King of England. There was something higher, something greater, something more in store. I believe that Jonas Clark had the same dream that the pilgrims had when they came over here in 1620. We get a glimpse into their dream. When they wrote a compact, they made a covenant with each other on the voyage. I wanna read these words to you. It's known as the Mayflower Compact. They write, having undertaken for the glory of God and the advancement of the Christian faith, a voyage to plant the first colony in the northern parts of Virginia for the glory of God and the advancement of the Christian faith. George Washington prayed one of his most famous prayers that is recorded. He prays this, whereas it is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God, to obey His will, and to be grateful for His benefits and humbly implore His protection and favor. Wow. To humbly implore his protection and his favor. There's something that our early founders knew. They grasped it, and where did they get it from? The holy word of God. They said, only a nation who has the Lord God ruling over them will prosper. That is all, and so they knew that. So, once again, these imperfect men got hold of a perfect ideal, and they fought for it. And they fought for it to establish the very freedoms that we enjoy today, the freedom of of, of expression that we can have today in our churches. That our children can come and sing about and dance about and throw beach balls out in the middle of us. That freedom came from this passion, a God birth passion. And they were willing to fight for the truth that they knew was of the Lord. Well, gang, I'm telling you what, we've got a battle raging right now in our nation and we all know it. We're living in very challenging, difficult times. We're living in a time of true crisis in our nation, and there is a battle raging for the very soul of our nation. And we, as Reverend Jonas Clark and the men of his church in Lexington, we must rise up and be ready to fight the good fight of faith. There's a little book in the Bible that you don't hear preached from very much because it's the 65th book. There are 66 books in our Bible, 39 in the old, 27 in the new. And it starts off with Genesis, ends with Revelation. And right before you get to Revelation, there's a little book called Jude. I'm gonna teach from that book today because Jude saw something that was happening in the first century church that brought an alarm to him. 
And he even told them, he said, I I so much wanted to talk to you about our salvation that we share in Christ, but I've been urged to really challenge you now to contend for the faith because we're under attack. Our core principles and values that we live by and the teachings of Christ are under attack. They are trying to undermine them in every way and they're trying to creep their way into the church and create compromise even in the church of these eternal truths. And so he writes to challenge the early church. And I'm gonna tell you something. I don't think there's ever been a more relevant challenge than the challenge of Jude, the brother of James, the half-brother of Jesus, who writes to us from the first century. So will you listen to this challenge that is echoing down through the ages and is now being declared to us today? He writes in Jude 1, Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James to those who have been called, notice that, to those who have been called, notice this, who are loved by God the Father. If you have your Bible, underline those words, underline called, underline love, and listen to this, and kept by Jesus Christ. Boom. Mercy and peace and love be yours in abundance, dear friends. Although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt I had to write and urge you, here we go, to contend for the faith that was once and for all entrusted to the saints. We have been entrusted with a message of life and truth that is revealed in Christ that we must defend. That message of life and truth that's in Christ. I, I give this to you, it's been to trust you for certain men whose condemnations were written about from long ago have secretly slipped in among you. They are godless men who, who changed the grace of God into a license for immorality and they denied Jesus Christ as our sovereign and Lord. But dear friends, remember what the apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ foretold when they said to you, in the last times, there will be scoffers, scoffers. They tweet. <laughs> Tweeter scoffers. Or is it a Twitter scoffer? I don't, never have figured that out. Is it a tweeter or a Twitter? But whatever it is, scoffers who follow their own ungodly desires, these are men who what? divide you. Where do you think the division in our nation has come from? It it goes way beyond what party affiliation you have. No, 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 it goes way beyond that. This whole division we're battling with is a spiritual battle we're having. There's a spirit of division that has come among us. There is a scoffing spirit that's come among us as a nation. We've got to recognize that spirit for what it truly is. It's denying the sovereignty of Jesus Christ and his truth and his revelation and his love and his life and his values and his principles. These are men who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the spirit. Wow. He's trying to be on guard because he realized something that's so true, and I want you to get this. Deception uncontested always leads to bondage. Deception uncontested will always lead 
to bondage. And so what he was doing, he was crying out and saying to us that you've got to be a contender. You've got to, you've got to contend for the faith. Well, what is the faith? The faith is Christ said it well. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. I've come to give you life. I've come to teach you the way of life. I've come to give you the value systems for your life. I've come to give the principles to guard and guide your life. I've come to bring you into relationship with God, your Father, your Creator, and give you the guideline that will help you live a fulfilled, abundant, eternal life. I've come to reveal what it means to have faith in a relationship with your living God. And yet, all the powers of hell and darkness are fighting against that and trying to pervert it and corrupt it. And where God has a standard of morality, they're trying to bring a standard of immorality and say it's equal to that standard. Why are you going by this ways? You need to go by our ways. And even in the early church, you remember in the book of Revelation that many of those seven churches were rebuked by Jesus himself for allowing immorality to come in among them and compromise their standard of their faith. And he loses, he goes on in a few verses after this that I read, and he compares the spirit of division like the spirit of Solomon Gomorrah. Now, if there was ever a damning spirit, it was the spirit that was on Solomon Gomorrah that brought the fire of heaven down and destroyed the wickedness of that city. There is a spirit loose. There is a spiritual battle raging. And we as warriors of the cross must take up the truth and the light of Christ and be ready to contend for the soul of our nation. Here's what I know as children of the light and children of the truth and children of the faith, we are called to pierce the darkness and to shine brightly in the midst of that darkness. He goes on to teach us how we can do this. So how do we contend for the faith? If the enemy's plan is to bring bondage, what is our mission? Our mission is to bring freedom. If the enemy's plan is bondage, it's just the opposite for us. We we are freedom fighters. We're looking for every way we can to bring freedom into the lives of men and women and boys and girls and into our children. He gives us four keys here of how to be prepared to contend for the faith. So let's jump into them quickly today. In Jude 20 through 23, he gives us the four keys. But you, dear friends, build yourselves up in the most holy faith. There's the first key. We gotta build ourselves up. We've gotta be strong for this battle. Pray in the Holy Spirit is the second key. Keep yourselves in God's love is the third key. And as you wait for the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life, Be merciful towards those who doubt and snatch, here we go, I love that word, snatch others from the fire. Man, we have a mission. It's a rescue mission. Very clear. All of our hearts have been broken this week as we saw what happened down at Surfside with the collapse of that building that just made my stomach sink and immediately we we were ready. What do we need to do to respond to help the first responders? And our teams are already alert to that, to what, what, are we, what can we do to help those that are down there working in that very dangerous environment to try to rescue the people. I thought about the one first little boy that we rescued that someone walking down the beach heard his cry and he was able to stick his arm out. And he was crying and he said, don't leave me, don't, don't leave me. 
And they stayed with him and reassured him until they could get the firemen over there to actually rescue that precious young boy that was there. That just was so vivid in my mind that that's the world we're living in. If we could just see it, people are laying under the rubble of their lives and they're crying out, don't leave me. Don't leave me. We've got to respond to those cries, church. We've got to rise up and be freedom fighters in this day. We have to be men and women who contend for the faith. But but here's what I do know. Before you're able going to bring life and strength to somebody else, you better be strong yourself. Amen? So how do we build ourselves up in the most holy faith? That's my first key. Build yourself up in the most holy faith. Look Look at the word of God in Colossians. It says in Colossians 2, 6 through 8, so then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, I mean, you surrendered, submitted your life to his complete leadership of your life, continue to live in him, live in him. That means I'm gonna live according to his life, his teachings, his principles. I'm going to live in Christ. I'm gonna let his word dwell in me, and I'm gonna dwell in his word, and I'm gonna walk in his ways. I'm gonna walk in his word. I'm gonna walk in his teachings. It says, so live in him, rooted and built up in him. I want to reflect more of Christ. I want to reflect who he is. This past uh, Saturday, we had a memorial service for Pastor Brian Benjamin. One of our pastors had been with us almost from the very beginning of our church. What a precious, godly man. I read from the book of Galatians, chapter five, verse 22, It talks about the fruit of the Spirit. If there's ever a man who manifested the character of Christ and the fruit of the Spirit, it was Pastor Brian Benjamin. In the way he loved, in the joy that was reflected in his life, in the peace that he had about him, the patience, the kindness, the gentleness, the goodness, the faithfulness, the self-control, all the traits of Christ. He lived those out. He practiced those as a husband, as a father, as a grandfather, as a pastor of our church. He modeled Christ. He modeled that. So Pastor Brian was like a light. Wherever he went, he was a light because he was modeling the life of Christ. Christ came as the light of the world. He challenged us to be the light of the world. In Matthew 5, 16, so let your light shine that men will see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. You, you know, I've always translated that. Live such an attractive life that people are drawn to you so you can lead them to him. And see, in this dark, desperate world, when we are walking in the spirit of Christ and in the ways of Christ and the values of Christ, the character of Christ, the principles of Christ, we stand out and we shine bright. And people are drawn when it's dark to play a source of light. They'll be drawn to you. And then that's where you can impact them. That's where you can contend with them for the faith. Build yourself up, strengthen in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. Here we go on in in Colossians and it says, and see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. Our culture's trying to tell us what's right and what's wrong now. And may I tell you something? A lot of what the culture condones is what the Bible condemns. Now, I'm not gonna stand with what the culture condones if the Bible condemns it. We can't do that, because I'm gonna be a contender for the faith. I've gotta stand for truth. 
But the best way I stand for it is I live it. It's living it, it's modeling it, it's demonstrating it. It's real easy to go out and point your finger and condemn someone who's walking in darkness. But what I like to say is we need to be shining so bright they're drawn to us. And then we don't have to speak words of condemnation to them, we speak words of compassion over them and we draw them into a greater understanding of the light of Christ. That's what God's called us to do, amen? Hey, I know I'm preaching this, but this is good stuff. Come on. I'm, I'm actually, I'm preaching myself. That's what Donna prayed. She said, oh, honey, help. I, she said, this is too great for you to do it. I said, I know it, God better help. He is, hallelujah, glory to God. But here, here's what I do know. Until you're secure in who you are, it'll be very hard for you to be able to go into this insecure environment and the chaos of this environment and be strong and to stand firm and to hold firm to the faith. It's hard if you're not secure in who you are. That's why I love what the Apostle Paul said in in Ephesians, he says, it was in Christ that I discovered who I am and what my purpose of life was all about. It was in him. It is in Christ we find out who we are and what we're living for. I love that when he talked to the scholars in Athens and he said, boys, I found the secret to life. It's in Christ, for it's in him that we live, we move, and we have our being. That's who we discover who we are, it's in Christ. And when we're secure in who we are, then with confidence, we can take our stand in his truth. And we can be like what Jesus said, that man that built his house upon the rock, and when the storms came, what happened? because he built his house upon the word with the rock, the solid foundation, the storms came, he was fine. But the one who built his house on the sands of the culture was washed away. We can stand firm and confident and only in that confidence can we shine the way God wants us to shine. Look at the second key is prayer. Of course, we know that the key to prayer is that it draws us into the presence of God. You know, I, I love this verse of scripture in, in James 4, 8, come near to God and he will come near to you. I pray, church, if there was ever a time that we needed to get back and develop a disciplined prayer life, it is now. There's no way we're gonna win this battle for the souls of our nation without prayer. Prayer is our number one weapon of spiritual warfare. Prayer, prayer. Seeking the heart and the presence of God. Because see, when you come into the presence of God, it's transformational. You may come there seeking for somebody else to be transformed, but what you're gonna discover is you'll be transformed. And until we're transformed, we can't really bring transformation to others. You understand that? Here's three quick things I thought about about prayer, what prayer does. First of all, when we come into the presence of God, we find peace. We find peace. And, and we live in a world of such anxiety right now, it's amazing. And if you are walking and you have a spirit of peace about you, guess what? You become suddenly very attractive to people because you are stable. When they're so filled with such anxiety and such tension and such chaos and suddenly you're, you're walking along like this. And they're going, what, what's different about that guy? What, what is it about that guy? What, what, what is it? What is that? What? I'll tell you what it is. It's the peace of God. We have the peace of God in us, and we walk with, it, we walk with a certain confidence. You know, we're not like going. Well, 
that's how the people in the world are. You watch them. You watch them get around them. They're, going, they're skittish. <laughs> Raymond Johnson, a guy we all love around here. We call him the mayor of Christ Fellowship. He has the craziest sound on his phone. I don't know what. It's like a train whistle on his phone. And the other day, we're driving along in the car, and he's driving my, my truck, and I'm sitting there beside him. He's taking me to the airport. I'm flying down to Houston to speak last week. And the train whistle goes off. Scared me, I jumped up, he jumped up, the car about jumped up. I mean, I said, Ramy, you about threw the car off the road. I said, what is he fumbling around trying to get to that crazy phone of his? It's about that big, it's a big one. I said, get you a smaller phone, that phone's too big. You're carrying an iPad around on your side, what are you doing? But he's so skittish. It happened again the other night. We're sitting at the house and we're sitting in the, around our table in, in our kitchen and his phone went off again. He jumped, Donna jumped, I jumped, the dog jumped. We all jumped, everybody jumped. But when you're suddenly that calming presence because you've been in the presence of God, it makes your life so attractive. You know what else happens when you pray? Wisdom comes. Because in the presence of God, there is wisdom. It says, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God and God will give it to him generously, it says in James. And you know what? In this world of so much chaos and confusion, people are desperate for wisdom. When you have that wisdom, you're attractive. You become transformational. And the other thing is the power that is released through prayer. Effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. It's powerful and it's effective. Power is released to us. And in our world today, people feel so powerless. And we have the, the ability to tap into the eternal source of power through Christ. So we've got to discipline our prayer life. Get back to a pattern of prayer in your life, a pattern of prayer with your family, a pattern of prayer at work. Get back into a pattern of prayer. Make it a part of your daily discipline and watch what God will do. And only then will you be prepared to really have the spiritual discernment to know how to pray for those that God's got you contending for of the faith. Remember, prayer is our key. He said it to us, if my people will humble themselves and pray. That's the key to the nation. We're in this spiritual battle for the soul of this nation. And may I tell you something? We're not gonna win it just in Washington. We've got to win it on our knees and our homes. We've got to win it there. Hey, I'm all for getting the right people into Washington, the right people in the local governments. And by the way, let's get some right people on our local school boards. You know, let's get, hey, let's, let's get people where they need to be. Well, I, would, I love nothing better than godly people that love Jesus with all their heart to be serving in our local municipalities and school boards and, and, and in our state uh, house and senate and in the government. Yes, we need that, but we know the first key is we've got to intercede in prayer. Third key, keep yourselves in God's love. That's a simple one, isn't it? We all know that one, but it's not easy because sometimes the people we disagree with, they get us so upset. I literally been wanting to grab some people by the face mask recently. I've got, I, this is confession time, I wanna confess. 
I want to grab them by the face mask and have a little come to Jesus moment with them. <laughs> like I did my players, I mean, because what is wrong with you? And then I get into my time of prayer and God convicts me every time. What is, what is he saying here? What, is, what does Jude say? Show mercy. Oh, it's so hard. It's so much easier just to grab them and straighten them out. And God's saying, show mercy. A new commandment I give you, Jesus said, love one another in the way I've loved you. Wow. What a charge. And what did Jesus do when he was on the cross? And those were hurling insults at him. He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. God's love helps frame all situations and every dynamic that we're in and helps us to look beyond the surface to see what's really going on in the spirit world. And the darkness and the deception that has captured the minds and hearts of people, as it says in Romans chapter one. And they're doing things that if they were in the light, they would never think of doing. But the darkness has blinded them. So what do we need to do? Can I straighten them out? Can I change their ideology? Can I do that? Not really. The change has to be a heart change. A heart change that leads to how they see life and think about life and see from a perspective of the truth of Christ who is the way, the truth, and the life. The Bible says you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. But here's the key to that verse because people use that all the time. It's not just knowing the truth that sets you free, it's applying the truth that sets you free. The verse before that verse, look it up in John, it says, and as my disciples, if you follow in my teachings, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. We know the truth too, that love is the key. That's what sets us apart. And here's all I know is this, the deeper my love grows for Christ, the deeper my love grows for others. And one final thought on this. The deeper God's love is in us, I want you to, I want you to tweet this one. The deeper God's love is in us, the brighter God's light will shine through us. The deeper his love is in us, the brighter his light will shine through us. And it is his light that dispels the deception and darkness. And that's where real freedom comes. The fourth key simply says stay on mission. He says snatch others from the fire and save them. People are desperate, desperate for it. I met, a, uh, I met a brother from uh, Salvation Army uh, in, in joining us in the service. God bless you, my brother, and the work of the Salvation Army. Um, when I met him before service today, uh, something just triggered in my mind about one of the quotes I recently read from William Booth, who's the founder of Salvation Army. And they've done a great work all over the world. But William Booth said this about training young disciples to be ready to go out and share Jesus Christ and the urgency of sharing Christ, he said this. He said, I would not sin if it were my choice and I was gonna prepare you to be a disciple and go out and be an evangelist for Christ. I would not send you to college nor would I send you to seminary. I would send you to hell 
for about five minutes and then rescue you. And then I would never have to worry about motivating you to go out and rescue others from hell. Think about it, think about that statement, hello. You know, we, we don't think about hell much. We don't talk about hell much. We don't talk about the fire of hell. But Jude's talking about snatching from the fire of hell. People are tipping over the very edge of it. And we need to snatch them from it. By living a life that's so attractive, they're drawn to us so we can share with them the life-changing truth of Jesus Christ and his love. So, okay, that's my introduction. (laughs) Here's the message, are you ready? I got four things for you. I want you to get these four things. Number one, be secure in who you are in Christ. Be secure in who you are. Remember, Jude, I'd like to preach a whole sermon just on Jude one. You've been called by God You're loved by the Father and you're kept by Jesus Christ. Think about that. You're called, you're loved, and you're kept. Turn and tell somebody those three things. You're called, you're loved, you're kept. Turn, tell somebody, come on. You're called, you're, tell somebody, tell somebody. You're called, you're loved, you're kept. Think about it. Now come on, do it again. You're called, you're loved, you're kept. Hey, you guys all sitting out there by yourself, you're called, you're loved, you're kept. You're called, you're loved, you're kept. Up there, oh man, we got you all the way high up there. You're called, you're loved, you're kept. Think about it, let that sink in for a minute. God has called you from your mother's womb. He has loved you from the very beginning, even when you were still a sinner. And now in Christ, you are kept. You are secure in who you are. Number two, take your prayer life to the next level. Be committed to take your prayer life to the next level. If you take your prayer life to the next level, your life will go to the next level. Your witness will go to the next level. Your influence will go to the next level. Your impact will go to the next level. If you take your prayer life to the next level, it takes every aspect of your life to the next level. Oh, by the way, you wanna take your business to the next level? Take your prayer life to the next level. You wanna take your marriage to the next level? Take your prayer life to the next level. Oh yeah, that's it, that's the key. That's the key. I can testify to that. Number three, look for ways to express God's love every day. Dr. Maxwell shared a couple weeks ago that's all about the power of adding value. Every day, be intentional, every day. Make it an intentional act on your part every day. I'm gonna add value to somebody today It may be a total stranger, maybe the guy under the bridge uh, uh, asking for money every time I stop. So I start, I keep money now in my my center little console. I got a bunch of fives and tens in there. And I, just so now I can do that. The other day I didn't have any fives and tens, all I had was a 20. You would have thought I gave a guy a hundred bucks. I gave him a $20 bill. He, He looked at it and he says, oh, thank you. I said, God loves you, son. I don't spend out on anything except some food for you. And he started waving to a guy across the street, meet me at McDonald's. And they started off running. <laughs> now, to be politically correct in our church today, I should have said, meet me at Chick-fil-A. <laughs> but he said, he said McDonald's. Would have been Chick-fil-A. <laughs> and number four, Take hold of somebody's hand 
and lift them up. Be intentional about that one that you know God's called you to and you find a way to take them by the hand and you pull them out of the fire by a life filled with God's love and compassion and mercy. You pull them up. We're in a fight, but God's called us to win this battle by simply modeling his life and his love to our world. Let me close by reading the doxology, the blessing at the end of Jude. Here it is, I'm gonna read this blessing over you. To him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy And to the only God, our Savior, be glory and majesty and power and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. Father, I pray blessing over our precious people that we will take up the challenge of Jude to contend for the faith in our generation as we model the life of Christ to our generation. Father, I pray for your blessing and strength upon all of us today. And Lord, if there be one or more here today or those joining us on our campuses or those that are joining us on social media or online today that have never surrendered to you, Father, right now I pray you would open their hearts to you. And may I just pause for a moment and say that if you've never surrendered your life to Christ, The Word of God says if you'll believe in your heart and make that confession with your mouth, at that moment, something supernatural happens. Jesus comes in and begins a work of transformation from the inside out. He wants to do that for your life today. And you can pray this simple prayer with me, Lord Jesus, I surrender my life to you. I ask you to come into my heart. Forgive me of all my sins and my past. And from this day forward, I commit to live for you and to serve you with all my heart. And I pray this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you again for spending time with us today. If you're looking to take a step in discovering the more that God has in store for you, just text the word podcast to the number 441-441 and select the option that applies to you. And if you enjoyed this message, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. A special thanks to those of you who generously give to all that God is calling us to do together. It's because of you that everything that we do is possible. We'll see you right back here for next week's message.